1: And to see what we find, learn more at uscellular.com forward slash built for us.
0: The power sweep, actually, it's the, it's the lead play on in our, in our offense.
2: We tell the tackle to take the
0: defensive end if he's over, him; if he's not, we drive down the first man who is inside. We pull back. we tell him to take the first man outside the offensive tackle. No one shows... He goes right by this and feels inside. If the YN has the linebacker taken out, he cuts inside. If the YN has the linebacker in, he comes all the way around. If you look at this play, what we're trying to get is a seal here
2: and a seal here and try to run this play in the alley. Hey, what's up guys? Welcome to Packers Total Access. My name is Clayton. You can check us out on Packernet.com. You can find me on Twitter at Packers underscore access. If you'd like to email the show, you can send a message to PackersTotalAccess at gmail.com. You can text the show at 865-658. Five eight two four. Rolling solo this morning, but we've got a ton of streams coming up. Uh, appreciate everybody for hanging out with us, making us a part of your day. We're going to be doing one later on with Jacob from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast, as well as getting Ryan slip on with us for the weekly recap tonight, somewhere around six PM Central, seven PM Eastern. Uh, the afternoon show should be around, I think, 30 Central, two thirty Eastern. And man, we're just going through information right before training camp, and and getting really excited. Um, I've been going back and watching that final stretch of the season where some would argue other than the first three or four weeks before Aaron broke his finger, broke his thumb um, that those last five weeks of the season was probably their best ball. And some people look at the Lions game and go, Nope, I disagree. I completely understand that. Um, But when you look back at how the defense played against the Lions, considering they had that explosive offense, they actually played pretty well. Um, So, Kind of take everything into consideration when it comes to that. And what we're going to do is, you know, I, I didn't get to take notes for every game that I'm breaking down, going back and getting that five-game five, five game saturation of all 22 film. But I did take notes for the Rams game. And this was a fun one because I was actually in the house. Me and Jacob were there. Justin was there from the Packernet Fantasy Podcast. He and his uh awesome wife, Nicole, um, got to meet all kinds of people. Um, got to meet drew who obviously, you know, we helped, uh, do some stuff as far as raising some money for, uh, his seizure service dog. Um, just got to meet a lot of awesome, awesome people while we were there in green Bay, hoping to make it back this year, but I'm really not sure if we're going to do it. Um, the wife's trying to talk me into it and I keep, uh, just swatting it away just because we've got so much we need to do here at home. And when I go to Green Bay, man, I don't want to just go up for a day or two. And that's what she's saying. Let's just go up for a couple of days. I'm like, no, I don't want to leave. Like, if it ain't, if it's, you know, anything less than seven days, I don't want, I don't want any part of it. <laughs> so, um, so what we're going to do today is just kind of talk about the Rams. Okay. Because we were in the house and it was a lot of fun. And what I've done is I've looked at the openers. Okay. So both the Rams openers, which was uh, seven plays on their opening drive, <clears throat> excuse me. And then 11 plays for the Packers opening drive, okay? And the reason I like to key in on openers, and for those of you who don't know, what I mean by openers is typically the opening drive is scripted for, you know, for offense and obviously defense as well. But when it comes to defense, um, you know, you're you're kind of playing reactionary to what the offense is running. You know, if they run 11 personnel, you're going to match nickel. And some teams are different. Some may go big nickel. Some may go to their base with a lighter base. Uh, we won't get into all those details. It definitely changes the fronts and things of that nature. But, you know, the openers, it goes all the way back to Bill Walsh. Bill Walsh actually invented this in um, when he was in Cincinnati with uh, the great Paul Brown. And what he did was he was like, you know, we already got an idea of how we're going to attack this offense. Why don't we go ahead and completely plan out and script our opening drive? And And it doesn't mean you're going to go play-by-play on that, that script, but you've got a handful of plays where you know. Let's say you've got the plays, and I was listening to uh, his uh, his book the other day, uh, the Winning Edge, right? Um, and there was another book I've I've listened I've listened to so many Bill Walsh books, it's not even funny. Um, but he was talking about it doesn't mean you go one, two, three, four, five right down the line with these plays, okay? What it simply means is you know you go one, two, okay, bang, we got a first down. Now we might jump ahead to the fourteenth play, or we might jump ahead to the eighth play. And then we get in a short down, down, you know, yardage situation, then we jump back and go back to play five. But you've got these openers that you feel like is geared around the game plan to attacking that specific defense that week. Okay. That's what I mean by openers. That's why when I watch tape, I put a bunch of stock into the openers, both on offense and defense, because that tells how the opposing team is going to attack your defense. And it also tells how the offense, your offense is going to attack their defense where you've seen their weaknesses. Okay. And basically what we came up with on, uh, on defense, because the Rams had the ball first, was a seven-play uh, seven-play drive that ended in a punt, okay? And then on the Packers' offense, we actually had an extended drive that went 11 plays and ended with a field goal, okay? And we're going to break them down. First of all, let's go to the phones here. We've got a caller on the line, and it looks like we've got Tim in Green Bay. Tim, how you doing, man? Hey, Clayton. How's it going? Oh, going great, man. Going great, dude. I'll tell you what. Everybody who hops on this pod, we've got to adjust the volume a little bit. With you, man, you come through loud and clear, dude. You, I mean, you sound like Johnny Cash on that mic, bro.
0: Oh, that's awesome. Compared yeah. to the man in black, I'll take it.
2: I'll take it. <laughs> All day long, right? How's your morning going, bub?
0: Man, I'm getting some coffee at me. Uh, the wife and I had a couple friends come up to town for a few nights, so they just are on their way back to Milwaukee. And I'm just hanging out in the garage being a dude, you know? It's a beautiful Sunday morning.
2: Heck yeah, dude. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Summertime. This is the best part of summertime for me. Training camp gets geared up. You know, fall is right around the corner. Football season's right around the corner. I can't believe it, Tim. I think it's two weeks from Saturday is the first preseason game, right? Am I thinking right?
0: No. I, I'm something like that. I don't have my – I'm totally unprepared with no notes in front of me today, right? Man, I'm going to pull it up but right uh, here. I don't I, know if you can see the screen. I believe I you're – right? There it is. You know what? That's in my queue on my printer because I'm I'm going to be equipped with that guide. That is so awesome. How you guys put that together? I love it.
2: Yeah, I would love to take some credit for it, but I had nothing to do with it. It was all Ryan and the rest of the guys at Packernet. They're phenomenal, dude. They've got it's 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 great. And what we're referring to, guys, is the uh, the PDF. You can get access to if you go to Ryan's Twitter page. I'm sure you can find it. Go to Packernet. I think it's at Packernet on Twitter. They've tweeted it as well. Um, it's got the complete training camp schedule it's got the regular season schedule it's got the roster in numerical order it's got the depth chart i'll pop the depth chart up here real quick just so you guys can see that that's what the depth chart looks like it's i mean they did a really really good job putting that together and i I definitely appreciate the tools that they provide for us for sure but yeah so it looks like on the 11th yeah so it's going to be two weeks from saturday and we got the shareholders meeting monday did i understand correctly you're going to be going to that
0: yes i will be in the building tomorrow (laughs)
2: <laughs> God, that's crazy! It is tomorrow. I, I don't know what day of the week it is, dude. That's one thing about when you, when you're self-employed, when you're a business owner, Tim. Like you, I lose track of everything. People, Mandy has to remind me all the time. Hey, no, no, it's tomorrow's Saturday. You don't have to go do anything tomorrow. Oh, okay, got it. Like, I, it's just every day, constantly run, run, Clayton,
0: run. I totally relate, man. I I had a business for about five years. I I totally understand what it's like when you wear all of the hats and. Like, What does a weekend even mean when you're working 70 to 90, 100 hours a week anyway? I mean, I relate, brother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, I'm just going to keep you on the line here, man. Um, I plan on going about 30 minutes for this pod, this live stream. Um, okay. What I wanted to do was just kind of talk about – I went back and watched the All-22 tape of the Rams game. And I want to kind of get an idea going into camp of what, what did Green Bay do – that made this defense really amp it up at the end of the year. And, you know, I know many people, you, we all are guilty of remembering the majority of what happened during an NFL season. It's, it's very rare. We remember how it ended unless it was either extremely good or extremely bad with the Packers. It was just kind of like, eh, we really didn't expect to make the playoffs. And we just kind of had a glimmer of hope going there, you know, and playing Detroit at Lambeau in that last game. But that last stretch was actually really solid for the defense. And, um, If anything, I feel like the offense let us down. But what what I'm going to do here is just kind of go back and talk about the plays um, on those opening drives um, for the Rams game. Okay, so if you'll just kind of tag along any questions you got, any comments you got. And I'm definitely going to ask for your feedback. I'm going to rattle these off real quick on defense. The Rams got the ball first. Obviously, they had a seven play opening drive that ended in a punt. Okay, on first down right? They uh, they came out in 11 personnel. We ran a nickel 245. And I want to talk fronts here. And the reason being, guys, I'm going to pop this up here too, so you can kind of see what I'm talking about. This right here, and this was provided by Victory Sports. You guys go check out their website. They are freaking phenomenal. Love what they're doing over there with Coach Haddad and the family. Him, his dad, his brother, they're all coaching. They, they won the 2021 uh, Staff of the Year Award. Uh, presented by USA Today for uh, high school coaching staff, but they just do a really good job illustrating, orchestrating, organizing everything. But when I talk about these techniques, this gives you a visualization of the techniques we're talking about on the defensive line. Okay, so that first play, we came out in a nickel two, four, five match in their 11 personnel. We ran a seven. This is from left to right from the offense's perspective. What I like to say, Tim, is the Madden cam, okay? If you're playing Madden football, this is that cam view all right? Behind the line of scrimmage and you, you know, being behind the offense. So as I list these off, it was from left to right from the offense's perspective. Seven technique, one technique, four eye, and a nine technique, okay? Now, they gained 10 yards, on this play, and it was a running play. And what did we talk about the last few episodes, Tim? How how first down running is just horrendous, right? I think we were giving up like six yards of carry on first down. Wasn't that what we said? I believe.
0: Yep. Yep.
2: So when you look at this, what I like to do is kind of match the fronts and go, okay, what front were we in? We were in that seven one four I9. Okay. So if you look at the number systems, that means a seven technique would have been on the outside shoulder of the tight end on the left if there had been one. Um, A one technique is in between the center and the guard. Um, And then you have a four eye on the right side there, which is basically you're on the inside shoulder of the tackle. And then you have a nine technique, which is a wide nine. That's, I mean, that's about as far out there as you can get. It would be almost one gap over from the outside shoulder of the tight end if there had been one. Now, the thing that stood out to me on that play, though, and we'll we'll have to go a little quicker than this to keep this thing under 30 or 45 minutes, Tim, but the (laughs) thing that stood out to me on that play, they got 10 yards plus 10 on a first down run. It was a freaking beautiful play call. And the reason you know that is because as the play unfolded, you had number fifty-five and number seven, so you had JJ and Igbari and Quay Walker in the backfield, and they both just missed tackles. So it's like perfectly schemed, missed tackles. That's how they got that first down. Okay, second play, we got they come out in another eleven personnel. Um, we matched it with the nickel two four five again. This time we came out in a wide non-tech, a two I, a four I, and a five. Okay, now we on this play again. This shows the inconsistency we talk about, Quay Walker. Number seven, Quay Walker got great gap press, forced the running back into an alternate gap. And uh, number 97, Kenny Clark, absolutely beat a double team like a drum, made the tackle. It was a negative two-yard play, so they lost two yards on that run. Next play, again, uh, 11 personnel. We come out in a nickel 245. We ran a 9 3 2-I-9 front. Again, Kenny Clark, great read on a duo double team allowed the double team. He, he held his ground until the double team shed it off to the next level. We won't get into all that with duo at the moment. Um, Kenny makes the tackle uh, almost in the backfield. They only gained one yard. So you're seeing there it, the first three plays, knowing the Rams scripted these plays to attack their weaknesses, players were in positions to make plays. That's that's what I'm seeing, okay? And, and others may see it different. I I would hope others would go out and watch it so it's not just all oh, Clayton's defending Joe Barry here. That seems to be – it's hilarious, man. I was the Aaron Rodgers lover, and I'm defending Joe Barry. That's what I'm labeled with now. <laughs> but <laughs> I'm just telling you what I'm seeing on tape. Now, the very next play, this I mean, it goes hand-in-hand with what we talked about, Tim, and then I'll get your take here in a second. They come at 11 personnel, nickel two, four, five is what we match with, a nine, a four, eye, a five, a nine, and they ended up gaining 12 yards on a pass. And when you watch it, you can totally tell by the and, – and I know this by post-snap or uh, post-play, I should say. You can literally see Rasul Douglas and Adrian Amos come up to each other holding their hands up going, what are you doing? Like you can tell whether Rasul whether was wrong or Amos was wrong one of those two guys played the wrong defense. What it looked like to me was it was supposed to be quarters drop and rightfully so when there's, you know, you need 12 yards to get a first down. That's pretty much a good play call. Amos got caught peeking into the flat and he made it look as if he was supposed to play underneath. And that's where we're talking about man match principles in this Fangio style quarters defense. To me, it looked like he jumped the flat when he should have stayed at home and By that happening, Rasul should have played. uh, Was playing his quarters drop deep, and it wasn't his responsibility to get underneath that passing play. So they they literally allowed the receiver to sit in right beyond the sticks, underneath the overtop coverage. Um, That's what happened on that first down. Now the next play, I I won't rattle them all off again. I'll just kind of give you the 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 result: zero yards on a run um, on that play. You had Devontae Wyatt, did great in the B-gap, and on that play, Russell Douglas really played aggressive up on the edge and made the tackle. Phenomenal play there. The next play, zero yards. It was actually incompletion. It was play action out of 11 personnel. You actually had Dean Lowry and TJ Slayton line up late, so they tried to quick snap it on them. So when I looked at that, I went, well, Lowry's gone. We don't have to worry about that anymore, Tim. (laughs) But Yeah. Slayton's still here? But, again, miscommunication. They were looking at each other like, am I supposed to go? And they had to switch to get in the right gap. And it shows you they were giving our starters a breather on that play and the backups had no clue what to do, right? So they were lined up late. But the secondary did great. They showed great discipline on the naked bootleg and stopped the play there. And then, of course, the very uh, very last play was a passing play out of 11 personnel. Nickel 2 four, five. We came out in a 9-4-2-I-4-I, and the 4-I was actually Quay Walker. So he was mugging the B-gap, and then we had a wide nine on the opposite side. Because he mugged that B-gap, it split the protection on the front. And what you basically have was Quay Walker in that 4-I ended up doing a little bit of almost like a fire zone. He showed blitz, dropped out into coverage, played a little bit of rat underneath, and uh, Preston Smith. The Wally vet just used a speed rush off the outside and sacked them for a loss that ended the drive. So based off of everything we just said there, Tim, what was running through your mind as we were describing that stuff? I mean, am I being too much of a Joe Berry fanboy here? Or, <laughs> or do you think, I think most people aren't aren't really kind of looking in depth into it? And it's just because I know there was times early in the season really struggled. So I can understand that that sentiment. But what do you think, man?
0: I mean, I think when it comes to being a Packer fan and trying to objectively look at anything, we're always going to be biased a little bit. But yeah. one of the things I love about your approach is that you're able to do that. You're looking at the scheme. You're looking at the technique. You're breaking down these plays. And it's not about being a Joe Barry fanboy. It's about this Fangio system and players playing within a scheme. And it's th- this is not brand new, but it's constantly evolving. And I say it all the time. Players got to play. You have to know your assignment. I don't care if you're third on the depth chart. We might need you right now, and we might need you repeatedly. Games progress quickly. You have to be on your, lack of a better term, you got to be on your stuff, man, right? I mean, come on. So what I do see is when you talk about these plays where guys are like, hey, what are you, what are you doing? What did you why weren't you there? Or, and then you're pointing the finger at me. I'm pointing the finger at you. Well, at least we're identifying that immediately that somebody screwed up, you (laughs) know, (laughs) because it could be worse. It could be two guys that are confused and they don't, neither one of them knows what the assignment was. So mixed communication, mixed signal, I'll take over completely missing it. So I think with time, as we go into this season, I do think we're going to see a little bit less of that. And, uh, that's one thing when we talked about quay that i'm looking forward to in this second year is to see his um on the fly um reads and like you said get in there and finish in the plays because dude can really he can blow these offenses up man he's an, he's very violent at that point of contact and he he's a play ender he's a drive ender when he's in position and when he's finishing so you know the gist of it when when you break down these these drives, especially man, these opening drives. There's nothing more fr- frustrating than a 10 yard gain or 12 yard gain on first down. I don't no. care if it's on the ground or in the air. I mean, that's just that is not how you want to start <laughs> start your game. So I think as these guys get more, I don't want to say the word comfortable, but I think um, more used to playing. And and like you said, you got man principles mixed in with this zone, with this quarters. It's like, I think as guys come into their own within this system, I think we're going to see less of those mistakes. I don't know. I don't know what you think about that.
2: Yeah, I I think I think you will. But, you know, one of the issues too, Tim is like the game and i know you know this i'm just you know for podcast purposes just mention it is first of all jacob in the house thank you thank you for hanging out with us jake appreciate it man go back go um you know the the game is constantly evolving that's what i've been trying to talk about on offense and it and it shows up here in a second when i outline the offense um that the other team gets paid too and they're constantly making adjustments and and you know the the documentary slash podcast that uh that um, Jordan Rodrigue did, phenomenal, the play callers, I cannot promote it enough. That's what I came away with was it was – they talked about how everything – I mean, you took Shanahan's wide zone scheme, they go to Washington, they draft a mobile quarterback, they they immediately installed the pistol and the read option. That had never been a part of Shanahan's offense. Mike, Kyle, anyone. But they, they said, okay, what does this quarterback do well? Let's put him in a position to succeed. Then, of course, they end up going to Atlanta. And when they go to Atlanta, they realize we got a smart quarterback and we've got a very athletic team. Let's install this turbo package and just and just kind of go muddle huddle, almost no huddle. A lot of people were predicting that, that the huddle itself would be completely out of the game within five years. Now, they were wrong on that prediction, but it was that popular at the time. Then, of course, you see McVay. He goes to the L.A. Rams. He takes LaFleur with him. LaFleur immediately installed that turbo package for Jerry Goff when they got him. And and Jerry Goff, that's when he had his good year and got that contract that a lot of people believed he didn't deserve. Um, At the time, nobody was arguing it because he took them to the Super Bowl and they had a lot of success with it, right? And then, of course, you've got um, Shanahan goes to San Francisco. When he gets to San Francisco, he looks up and goes, I've got one of the best fullbacks to ever play the game in use check. I'm switching to 21 personnel. So it's just constantly evolving. So back to what you said on defense, yeah, I think this defense started to settle in those last four or five weeks. But as we Mm -hmm. go into this, how are teams going to attack it? Because guess what they're going to look at, gang? They're going to look at that last four or five game saturation and go, okay, what did they do good? We've got to adjust. And that's where it is going to take – that's where I do think Joe Barry's come up short at times. Um, And and some people are going, oh, how I can't believe Clayton's saying something bad about Joe Barry. Joe Barry's resume does not look good, guys. I completely acknowledge it. I did not understand the hire. I wasn't one screaming fire Joe Barry, especially after those last five games of the season. But I was one going, but if we can get Vic Fangio, Yeah. I'd rather have Vic Fangio than Joe Barry. So <laughs> I, I think they did swing and miss there. I wish they would have went after Fangio, but here's something that people don't talk about. And we are way off topic and that's okay. Cause I feel like this is a good conversation. The people that are saying that that's stupid. We didn't go get Vic Fangio. Here's what would have happened if we, if we went and got Vic Fangio, he is the assistant coach to the best of my knowledge in Miami. Okay. Assistant, assistant head coach is a promotion. Everything in the NFL, you cannot block lateral moves, okay? So let's let's say he did go get Fangio, right, as his assistant head coach. Who got promoted to assistant head coach in Green Bay this year? It Rich, was Rich Passaccia. Passaccia. Yeah. Now, why did he get promoted to assistant head coach? Because by them promoting him, unless another team was willing to make him assistant head coach, or a head coach, excuse me, then that would be a lateral move. Therefore, that blocked anyone from getting Rich Passaccia. So that – that in itself, you had to make a decision. Do you want Rich Basaccia as your special teams coordinator or do you want Vic Fangio as your defensive coordinator, right? And I I think that when it came – push came to shove, Mark Murphy, Brian Gutekens, Matt LaFleur sat down and said, all right, here are our choices. We definitely don't want to lose Rich. And Joe Barry and this defense really cranked it up the last five games of the season. So, to me, I think they made the right move when you take all that into consideration. What do you think, man?
0: I would agree with that. I would I would totally agree with that that statement. And you know the whole reason too is, let's be honest. What Rich Basaccia came here and did with the special teams unit, you know, in one year, like I, I had said going into 2022, like if the special teams can just not be a dumpster fire, we'll we'll be okay. We don't we don't need to be a top ten special teams unit. We just can't have these catastrophic mistakes. And then so he he comes in and turns that around writes the ship and then you combine that with his last year with the Raiders and what he did after Gruden's exit. I mean, you got to look at Passaccia and and yeah, that's a valuable piece. So I think when they were making these decisions that certainly played a huge role because I mean I sat there for that game in Lambeau against San Francisco and and watched our special teams basically cost us that game yep. and you know, you, you do you, you we tend to look overlook the, the importance of special teams.
1: We all have smartphones and we all know they're pretty amazing, but they also can be amazingly distracting, especially when we're around other people. So US Cellular wants us to reset our relationship with our phones by putting down our phones for five. That's right, a company that sells phones wants us to put down our phones. And to see what we find, learn more at USCellular.com forward slash built for us. Anyways, that's arena club.com slash packdaddy for 10% off your first purchase. And,
0: and you really only notice how important it is when it's hurting you, when your special teams play is hurting you. So I think that had a lot of weight, um, almost as much as, uh, the, the consideration for what Fangio brings to the table as a D coordinator slash assistant head coach. Cause you know, we know this is a business Clayton. It's like you said, you know, guys are trying to move up and, uh, being promoted in this league is uh, I mean, you hear about like that play callers podcast, man, these guys talking about, you know, the piss boys and what they had (laughs) to do to get to where they are. And now you look at these guys, man, they're all head coaches, man. Yeah. You know, you, you, you got to put in your grind, you got to take your licks. And so when there's opportunity, you know, you got to take whatever you can get. And sometimes it ain't up to you, man, these GMs and and this is, this is a business, man. So there are multi-prong approach when it comes to making decisions like that. But I think what it all boils down to Clayton is, you know, I'm, I love the scheme more than I love the, the coordinator or the coach, you know, because at the day, at the end of the day, if the scheme is sound and the players are playing within it and we're embracing it and believing, and we're executing, you know, you can say what you want about who's out there. They're calling it, you know?
2: No, I think it's very well said and it's just, you know, coming to the, to to the realization and helping other people come to the realization that, you know, everything is so fluid and, and ever changing. You know, Jacob uh, actually in the chat here mentions this, let's read it off here. He said today on Ryan's pod on the Packer net podcast, um, he broke down how the league is a very dominant pass heavy league to the point that having a fantastic running offense, AKA the bears is basically pointless when they break down. Um, It's it's absolutely. I'm gonna read his following uh, comment here, and then we'll go back to what he just said. He said, "The numbers and analytics. Do you see the league ever going back to a run dominant league, or at least the running back role getting more money slash priority?" It's I think it's a very straightforward answer, Jacob. Um, The the running backs that are getting paid. First of all, we gotta we gotta say this. There's many people that say, "Oh, the running backs deserve more money," right? and and here's how i look at it from a from a business perspective from you know a consumer perspective everything something is only worth what another human being is willing to pay for it that's what it comes down to like if you're selling a house and and let's say you paid you know a 100 grand for that house just just an even number and you go to sell it and you say well i think it's worth 130,000 now so you put it on the market for 130,000 that doesn't mean it's worth that just because you said it's worth that doesn't mean it's worth that. Now, yeah, you might take 99 when it's all said and done. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Hey, been there, done that, got the t-shirts Why I got out of real estate. <laughs> so when you when you look at it and you go, OK, you, you look at you know that same house and you go, OK, someone someone hops up and they say, hey, look, I'll give you uh, I'll give you 130 grand or I'll, I'll give you 110 grand for it. And then someone else comes in and goes, well, I want it worse. I'll give you 120. Now you've got a bidding war. What you've got now is they've both fallen in love with this home, this product, this service, whatever you insert, whatever. They've both fallen in love with it. Now what you've got is a low supply and a high demand. So those two are going to overpay or be willing to overpay for that same service, that product, that good, whatever it is, right? That's that's how the market drives it. So when you look at running backs, you go, huh, Ezekiel Elliott was one of the best running backs in the last 10, 15 years to run between the tackles. Why is he still a free agent? I'll tell you why, because he's not a factor in the passing game, and the passing game is absolutely huge in the NFL. Now, Aaron Jones, everybody said we overpaid Aaron Jones. There's no way we can – all the salary cap gloom and doomers were screaming there "There is absolutely no way we can afford to pay Aaron Jones. What did they do? They went out and gave him a contract with the flexibility where they knew in two or three years the market would probably stabilize and they could save money on the back end of that contract, and that's exactly what they did. It Now, why are they willing to pay him – that kind of money, because he is such a factor in the passing game. In the passing game, yep. That's it. So, Jacob, Ryan hit the nail on the head. Now, back to the original comment. Uh, He said he broke down how the the league is a very dominant pass-heavy league to the point that having a fantastic running offense, a.k.a. the Bears, is basically pointless when they break down. I could not tell you how many times I watched – and this is me, and and I'm going to get hated for this. I know I am. I watched – uh, Justin Fields, his rookie year. I believe he started his rookie year. It was it was when he first took over as a starter. And I remember seeing him throw balls and go, "Man, he's he's not that bad." Like that's that was a, that was a nice twelve yard out route. That was a pretty throw. He's he seems to have a decent arm. But then what I noticed was when the game was on the line and they were forced to pass and the defense knew they were passing, he turned into hot garbage. Now that could change. Know I'm on the record saying I, I am not ready to write him off that he's just an absolute bust. But what I have right now, the information I have right now suggests he is not a good quarterback. One of the best rushing quarterbacks in history, but not a good passing quarterback. So when, like he said, it's pointless when they break down, when the running game, when they start to stack the box, right, and take away the running game and now he's got a pass, and now these defenses are, are showing some of that fire zone, some of that stuff. Like I talked about Quay walking up in a four-eye tech. you got a five-man front, then him dropping into coverage. All of a sudden, they, they ran a little curl route, too. It was like the safety valve for Baker Mayfield, and he completely crapped the bed. He was just like – he looked up. Quay was there. He hesitated. By that time, Preston Smith screaming off the edge, sacked him. I don't know. It was something like a, an eight or a ten-yard loss. Ended the drive. They had to punt. Me and Jacob were in the house for that one. Um, so, yeah, I think Ryan absolutely nailed it, man. He, he hit it on the head. So, back to your question now, Jacob, and I want to get Tim's take on this too. The numbers the, and analytics, uh, do you see the league ever going back to a run-dominant league or at least the running back role getting more money slash priority? Um, I do not see any scenario currently where a running back that's a one-trick pony, he could be the best running back in the league as far as toting the rock, right? Um, if they're not willing to contribute, in the passing game that I don't see them, you know, I don't see them getting paid. I just don't. Now here's the other thing, Tim, um, who's one of the best running backs in the league It's Nick Chubb, right? I mean, mm-hmm. you, 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 hand Nick Chubb, but I believe it's Nick. I get him and Bradley Chubb mixed up. I believe it's Nick Chubb in, in uh, Cleveland. You hand mm-hmm. him the rock between the tackles and he is freaking unstoppable. But what I say unstoppable, but what do defenses do? They load up that box and take away that run and it's okay. Well, then Cleveland should be able to pass, right? Now, granted, Deshaun Watson, whether you love him or hate him, it makes no difference to me. I talk football on this podcast. I don't talk about personal stuff and politics and all that BS. It, whether you love him or hate him, now you've got to go, okay, is he going to be able to adjust this year and get back to that 2020 form where, like Ryan said, he was one of the top three quarterbacks in the league. If he doesn't, it doesn't matter. It doesn't make a hill of beans whether Nick Chubb can run a football or not. Because teams are going to load that box, they're going to shut down the run, and you've got to have a quarterback that can beat those kind of looks. Baker Mayfield wasn't good enough to beat us against the Rams. And and I, I know Jacob would agree, Packers didn't play lots out in that Rams game. But there wasn't any point during that game where I was like, yeah, man, I'm worried about this one. It just felt like, nah, we're, we're going to come out on top with this one. It's just going to Now, Detroit felt totally the opposite. Even when we, went, we were winning, I believe, there for a little bit, I was going, this don't feel good. <laughs> it's just mm-hmm. don't- but what do you think uh, as far as uh, running backs there? Tim, you got any comments on that?
0: I think you could apply that almost across the board. We, we talked about this a few weeks ago, like other than kicker, maybe like you, you've got to be multifaceted in, in, in your position group in this league. I mean, with running back, maybe even more so, like you said, to your point, like you can be a beast up the middle, man. And that's great. But can you roll out to the flat, and catch a ball and turn up field? Can you, you know, could you run a little skinny post if we need you to can you know, how, how good are you in pass pro as a blocker? Ooh. Something Ooh, as simple know. as that. So, you know, this league, I, I always say whether, wh- whatever we talk about, it's, it's almost like, you know, if you know about the Marines, right. The Marine Corps motto, adapt, improvise, overcome. Like mm-hmm. that's what you have to do in this league, whether you're a coach, whether you're the water boy whether you're the equipment guy, whether you're selling hot dogs in the stands, whatever, like everything comes at you quick, very quick. And and we alluded to this before with these rookies, man, you got to keep your eye on the rookies because speed of the game, pace of play, these are things that can really mess you up if you're not on the ball. So to bring it back full circle to, to Jacob's original point and question was, do we see the game ever kind of evolving back to where maybe the run the run is a little more prevalent or emphasized more. And I would say maybe once we get to the point where the passing game has taken over so much that we now see offenses trying to revert back to the old power eye and trying to, you know, Walter Payton, run, run over you. Like, who cares what, what you put in the box? We're just going to bang heads and we're going to run the football. You hear a lot of people say, run the damn ball, run the damn ball. Well, you know, if it's working, Sure. Right, <laughs> But, you know, if it's not, nobody wants to see their team stopped on third and one stuff because you're trying to just, you know, jam it down their throats all the time. This game is built off, um, you know, adapting, impro- improvisation. It's, you know, uh, one of the things, you know, we, we loved so much, at least me personally, one of the things I love so much about Aaron Rodgers was his ability pre-snap to read a defense and then check and get the defense to do what he wants it to do and then immediately check out to the third play and run something totally different and we're we're lighting them up you know adaptability you got to improvise you you have to be versatile you know whether it's running back or any position honestly in this league so i mean I, I think the more things change, the more they say that, stay the same. And things can be cyclical. And you know, maybe five, ten years—I don't know. Maybe the league trends back that way. We see hard-nosed power football all the time again. I don't know. I miss the the '60s and the '70s and the you know the old the old Iron Man age of of this game that we love. But today, man, it's about being smart. It's about being fast. It's about learning quickly. Um, how can you adjust mid-drive, mid-game, mid-play? You know, so I don't know. I'm just going to ramble on forever, Clayton, if you let me. So no, don't let no, 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 me talk. go too long.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I'm the same way, man. I'll tell you, I, I get excited talking football. And it's like Dusty Evely was saying the other night He when we were on a live. He said, he said, man, I find myself listening to a podcast, an audio book or whatever he was talking about. And then I find myself daydreaming going, I wonder if they could do this. And, and I've missed seven minutes of the podcast because I'm thinking. <laughs> Just rambling internally, so I completely relate. But you wasn't rambling. That's all good stuff. Uh, Jacob also said, are we surprised the fullback position hasn't adapted to this new league of passing and pass protection? Kyle Juszczyk, why isn't there more of these top hybrids? Where do they come from, Jacob? All right, where do they come from? They come from college football, right? So, in many cases, college football is kind of a step ahead of the NFL. Now, I'm not suggesting that you could take any college team or a college all-star team and compete with any NFL team. I'm not saying that. They're much, much stronger, much faster, much everything in the NFL, right? Much more everything. But the college game, and we talked about this with Jake Shevinka from the uh, It's Always Draft Season podcast who was on the other night, college is always kind of one step ahead of, of the, the NFL as far as schematics go right? And when you look at it, you go, okay, name, let me do it this way, Jacob. Name the best fullback in college football, right? I know I can't do it because many offenses in college football, with the exception of, you know, some of the academies that run the triple option and all that stuff, it's just not in the playbook. You've got a lot of error raid. You've got a lot of RPO offense that's kind of come out of, uh, uh, come out of Alabama, right, with uh, Steve uh, Sarkeesian. And you've got uh, now in Tennessee, you've got kind of this split-half, split-field offense that they run, which is one of the reasons why many people didn't believe in Hendon Hooker. But, of course, Hendon Hooker, as we can see in, in reading Kurt Benkert's book or uh, you a know, little package he put together, Football 101, that's exactly what Green Bay does. They come to the line of scrimmage, they look at the defense, they split it down the middle and go, okay, they're showing six over there, they're showing two over there, um, or showing, four, showing quarter, quarter, half. All right, look, let, let's do this. Here's the play on the left side of the field. Here's the play on the right side of the field. And you're trying to match concepts up with weaknesses um, that would match up well against those specific defenses because now it's not just cover four defense, cover two man. You've got all of these hybrids mixed in where you may have a quarter, quarter half. And when you throw in Fangio style, the reason it is so popular, it's so successful, is because the offense has to read it post-snap. There is nothing given to them pre-snap. You know, a quarterback – wants to come to the line of scrimmage and get as much information as possible, right? And then say, okay, here's where I think I need to look for my first read. Now, if you're just showing two safeties on the shelf, you're showing that quarter's look 90% of the time, there's nothing for them to read. So everything has to be read post-snap, right? Um, So it's just how the game has evolved. But my answer to you is college isn't churning out the old school fullbacks like they did back in the day because there were so many offenses that just ran I formation. They run power out of the things that Tim was just talking about. Um, it's a fascinating comment and mention. I think that's why some teams, including the Packers, will take a swing on your Vitalis and people like that who've got just a crazy RAS score. They go, all right, he. if anybody's talented enough to do it, it's him. But then when you look at the schematics and you go into self-scouting from last year and scouting your upcoming, uh, upcoming opponents, last four games, you know, four game saturation of what they're doing on defense. I guarantee you what these coaches are coming away with. They're going, I can't go to a fullback here. We, we're going to have to have the protection on the line. If we're going to go anything other than 11 personnel, we're going 12. What did the Packers do? If you, if you, you know, we always had a saying in business um, if you want to show me your priorities, show me your calendar and your checkbook. That'll show me yeah. what's important to you. Right. You show me where you're spending your time and where you're spending your money. That'll show me what's most important in your life. And and some people are going, shut up, Clayton, that hurts. I've been there. I know I've wasted a lot of money and a lot of time in my life. (laughs) But when you look at when you look at how teams are spending their draft, um, their draft uh, capital and where they're spending their salary cap, that tells you exactly what they're thinking. What did the Packers do? Second and third round picks at tight end. I, I, I kind of feel like Josiah Aguara might be on his way out because this whole H back fullback thing just didn't pan out with Matt Lafleur. Now, if they try to incorporate more twenty one personnel, just assuming uh, that you're gonna uh, you know pretend that that Josiah Aguara is a second running back is that fullback. Um, most of the time though, they've got him kind of lined up in the H wing, so it kind of tells mm-hmm. you where. So I don't know. That's that's how in the the calendar aspect of that analogy, that comparison would be how are you lining up on offense, you know, and, and that that really says uh where the uh where the offensive scheme, that coach, that offensive coordinator are going. Jacob says, imagine if Mike Allstock could catch like modern pass catching running back. Dude, oh my gosh. Did you get a chance to watch him, Tim?
0: Yeah, oh yeah. I'm I'm familiar. <laughs> God, he was a God, beast. God was he a beast, man. He was a beast.
2: And when people, when I'm talking to people, whether I'm at a, you know, at a sports bar watching ball or something and, or anywhere, just having a conversation on social media, Facebook, whatever, if somebody says, who's, who's Mike Allstott? I go, whoa, whoa, go to YouTube right now and just type in Mike Allstott highlights. I don't need to tell you a thing. Just go. I don't think
0: he ever, ever once ran around anyone. It was either over you or through you.
2: Yeah, no doubt.
0: And dragging defenders with him along the way like you might you might wrap up but he's not going down
2: <laughs> right exactly exactly all right so we were going to get into offense I'm going to save these I'm going to save them for later when Jacob jumps on um, because I've got 11 plays on offense this was I thought this was great Tim like this we really got into some deep conversation about this defense and again just wanted to kind of give you guys an idea people make it sound as if Joe Barry's just lining up the same way and playing off the ball and they're just doing all this stuff that ain't guys I mean, I read them off to you. A 714I9. 92I4I5. 932I9. 94I59. 914I9. 7317. 942I4I, which was a backer, Quay Walker mugging the B gap, and a nine with a five man front. There's not one combination there that they ran two times in a row. Barry's no. mixing things up both on the front and on the back side, whether they're playing Meg, Mod, you know, uh, Rat, whatever, with with this you know man-match principles. They're mixing things up, but again, of those seven plays that I broke down on the opener of the Rams game, in seven plays, there was two plays where there was miscommunication, and one play where they should have had a three-yard loss where two defenders missed the tackle, and I'm not here trying to pretend like I could tackle better than an NFL player, but I couldn't tackle better than a peewee player right now. I am old, fat, and out of shape. I'm just saying this is what tape is suggesting is actually happening, and it's what I seen last year, and we tried to explain on Chalk Talk, but I understand people get they get frustrated, and they're so passionate about the Packers, and they just want to see a great dominant defense. Guys, I do too. I really do too. What I don't want to happen, though, is – us fire another defensive coordinator, and now we've got two for them to learn a new defense, and then on and on and on. If you brung Fangio in, you wouldn't have had to scrap it. You already have one step ahead, and you've got the man of all mans teaching the defense. But you've got to add in that caveat, that understanding that, hey, look, if we had brung Fangio in, that means we lose Rich Passaccia. I guarantee it. I guarantee you the two teams that were interviewing him for head coaching jobs, what they would have said is – you come in and run our special teams, we'll promote you to assistant coach, assistant yep. head coach, and we'll give you a pay increase. And what LaFleur and Goody and Murphy decided was, you know what, he has really stabilized his special teams. It's going in the right direction. And, oh, by the way, if you don't bring Rich Pasaccia back, Keyshawn Nixon ain't coming back. I'm sorry. So keep that in mind, too, that when that was going down, if you guys remember, I was going – God, please let them promote Rich Passaccia before Keyshawn signs somewhere else because he's going to follow Rich Passaccia. If Rich Passaccia had had got a head coaching job or they hadn't gave him the promotion to assistant head coach and he'd went somewhere else, I guarantee you Keyshawn will be playing for that team because I feel like we got Keyshawn for a bargain, especially considering that now we've got an incentive-based contract around interceptions and him playing – that, that slot nickel role as well as returning kicks. And I'm really excited to see Jaden Reed take over punt returns. I hope that's the, I hope that happens. And, and some people are going, but I want Keyshawn returning punts too. To me, he wasn't nearly as dynamic on punt returns as he was kick returns, but it's pretty darn cool to have Keyshawn Nixon in the hole there on in, in the on deck circle in case Jaden Reed goes down if Jaden Reed is your number one punt return, and, and vice versa, too. So that's why I really think that Jaden Reed pick, after going back and look at the 2021 tape, was just an excellent draft pick, man. It really, really
0: Man, was. I totally agree with that, Clayton, because think about this. If we're going to use Keyshawn more on defense – you go out there and you, you, you know, I like your term. You just boat race that offense and get a three and out or, or maybe it was a long grinding drive. You, you played a lot of snaps and now we got to, now we forced them to punt and now you're going to go back there and return that punt. You know, we want our returner to have fresh legs. So I think you flipping it around, like you said, have Keyshawn on the kickoffs and and let's see what, I mean, Jaden Reed, man, that's lightning in a bottle, man. I'm telling you. I Like, this is going to be fun, man. We're almost there,
2: Clayton. We're almost there. Yeah, I am. I'm Jack. Let's pull it up. Well, let me do this real quick. I'm just going to read off the, the projected defensive depth chart. On the front, we've been talking fronts here. We've been talking defense, all right? This is from, if you'll go to uh, Twitter and follow at Packernet, um, you'll be able to get inform- get this information. It's completely free. I know there's a lot of training camp guides out there that people are selling. I'm sure they're worth every dime. This is just very short, concise, to the point. It gives your training camp schedule. It gives your depth chart. It gives your entire numerical roster. It gives the full schedule. I love how it's laid out as well. But just going across the board here before we wrap up, just talk about this projected defense, okay? And and we're kind of projecting it here um, with a uh, – you know, it's not in a a 34 or a nickel front at all. They've got kind of the the slot corner up top. I guess it is technically a nickel. Your starters, according to Packernet in the early projection, this is going to be a living document too. So this is something that's going to change as we get more information coming out of camp. Defensive end, you've got Devontae Wyatt. Nose tackle, you've got Kenny Clark, which is cool because Kenny actually – Really moved around a lot. I wouldn't mind to see him just play nose, um, and and of course when you're in the nickel, bounce around a bit. But they've got at nose tackle Kenny, defensive end Devontae White, and then at on the edge at outside linebacker you got Rashawn Gary and Preston Smith. Once Gary is healthy, you got JJ and Abaré and Lucas Van Ness as their backups. I just want to mention that simply because Rashawn Gary probably going to start on pup, I would imagine inside linebacker you got Quay Walker and Devontae Campbell. Um, And then at corner, you've got on the boundary Jair Alexander, Russell Douglas in the slot. You got Keyshawn Nixon right now. The way it sits at safety, um, it's listed free safety and strong safety. Of course, you guys know how I've talked about with the Fangio system. Uh, Both those safeties have to be able to do both. And you heard the DB coach, the, the, uh, the secondaries. I think it's the passing game coordinator on defense talk the other day. He said, I want both safeties to be able to do everything. That's what we were talking about because there there is late spin off both sides in this defense, and they need to be able to tackle and cover. Gone are the days of we just need a really athletic safety to cover center field. That's just – those days are kind of gone, especially with this defense. But we got Rudy Ford at strong safety, Darnell Savage at free safety. Again, remove the F and the S and just call them both safeties in my opinion. That's how that looks like it's going to play out. So that's what you're going to expect going into training camp. And, again, I'm going to pull the schedule up one more time here. Um, obviously, I don't know when this is going to go live on POD, but we got the shareholders meeting tomorrow, um, Monday at 11 a.m. I know we'll have Tim there. Tim, I'd like to maybe hop on a call with you here in the next 24 hours just see what your takeaways was, what the vibe was like. Um, and then on the 25th, Tuesday, veterans report to camp, and then we got our first open practice on Wednesday, the 26th. We made it, Tim. We made it, dog.
0: Man, it's here. I'm so excited, Clayton. This is going to be awesome. I might even sneak uh, – see if I can sneak and get a little uh little look through the fence line on one of these clothes practices till they kick me out of there. You never know. <laughs>
2: <laughs> hey, I'll tell you this. You know, if you're willing to get aggressive, we're willing to uh, – we'll come together with a GoFundMe and bail you out of jail. All right, how about that? <laughs> and we'll get you a fake identity so you can get back into Lambo later because you know they're going to ban you. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I love it. You 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 literally put life on hold, move some stuff around so you can move to Green Bay and get closer to the team. And now you're being a part of this network for, you know, less than a year, you're gonna get literally banned from going to a game. We ain't gonna do this <laughs> All right, guys. We're gonna get out of here. We'll be back, like I said, at 2 30 uh Eastern time. It's 1 30 Central with Jacob. Um he's uh he's gonna, I guess, uh shut down the uh the smoke shop up there, uh the meat smoking shop, not the you know, not the devil's lettuce we're not talking about the, the evil cabbage we're talking about smoking meat alright that sounded bad too let me just go ahead and hit it.
0: that's what she said
2: <laughs> alright we're out of here guys it's off the rails appreciate everybody hanging out with us in the chat everybody watching on YouTube and Twitter as always let's go out and be the change we want to see in the world go Pat go
1: he's set for Heineke on third down four man rush Heineke hit as he throws it is ripped away by DeVondre Campbell He's got plenty of green grass in front of
0: him. Devondre Campbell, pick six, Green Bay. Back to the pick. Yeah, now, everybody's covered. There's JD McKissick, there's Devondre Campbell. Watch him play this. It, it's going to be a little in and out. You're going to press inside like you're crossing, bounce out, reads it well, eyes on the quarterback. There's nowhere to go. There's nowhere to go. Not just JD McKissick. Everybody was covered on the play. We talked about. You know, i